So we started school days last week with Pastor Stephen. He kicked it off. He did an awesome job giving us a scope of what the book of Proverbs is. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never done a comprehensive dive into the book of Proverbs. haven't really wanted to. A lot of it is just out of date, it feels like. It's like you pull out little sections and they don't make sense. There's things that are personally offensive, like a dripping faucet is better than a nagging wife. Stephen reminded us of what these proverbs are meant to do, what their actual purpose is meant to do. And that's what he says. He says, the proverbs try to assist a person of faith in becoming a wise person. All of us, people of faith, we want to become wiser, so that seems like a really legitimate reason to me. Secondly, the author assumes that you are coming to this text, the listener is coming with a desire to learn from other people and from the past. So you're not coming to the book of Proverbs for entertainment. You're not coming to the book of Proverbs to give you something to then tell and point to others, but you're coming because you want to know more about what it means to be wise. And then lastly, the Proverbs were not written to be used to prove a point. They are rather written to invite the listener in to grow in wisdom. So the, the, the... thing that I learned in my school days, and I know all of you did as well, in preschool and elementary school, was the importance of sharing with others. I grew up in a family where I was the second of of three children. My parents, when they had their third child, were still in their mid-twenties. And my dad was in his residency in Los Angeles. He worked all the time, and my mom worked PRN as a oncology nurse, and their mortgage was half of their income. We learned to share. We shared toys, we shared our one big wheel. We sh- in the backyard, we had this really kind of rickety swing set. You remember the ones that were all metal, and the slide was all metal? So if it was hot, you burned yourself. We had one slide, one swing, one set of monkey bars, and three girls that wanted to be on every one of those at all times. We had to share. We, get ready for it, we shared a room. How many of you had to share a room when you were growing up? That's right. Students, this is actually a thing. We did. (laughs) We also shared things like chicken pox, and the stomach bug. My older sister, to her dismay, we had to sh- she had to share her clothes with the youngers. And we, as more like tomboyish girls, we got mud on that stuff. And so sharing was not as fun for her, but we all shared. The craziest thing has happened though, is I remember as I moved into my teenage years and into young adulthood and, and now into adulthood, all of those things that were so easily shared, they're just, I found out they actually have value. And I discovered there's a responsibility in in having those things. And so sharing has become more difficult for me. It's something that I have, uh, I guard. I realize that if I lend you this, if I share this with you, it might not come back in the same condition. If I share this bag of Oreos with my teenage boys, there might not be any left when it comes back to me. So sharing has taken on this new concept and I wonder how are we all doing 
at sharing with others. And so we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs to help us find wisdom for our own lives as people of faith. Before we turn to that scripture, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your word, this ancient word that is so good and so true and continues to bring about such amazing awareness in our lives. And I pray today that we would hear a word that encourages us and challenges us and prods us along and molds us and shapes us into the godly people you desire for us to be. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this is from the 11th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Hear the word of our Lord. Some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. The people curse those who hold back grain, but a blessing is on the head of those who sell it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. Those who trust in their riches will wither, but the righteous will flourish like green leaves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is something that the author of Proverbs does a lot, is that he sets up two contrasts. And so for the listener, on the one hand, in our text today, you have the person who is generous and good. And because of that, they are enriched. They are blessed. They are flourishing. And then there's this other person. This person is stingy. This person holds back grain and doesn't sell it. This person is selfish. And because of that, this person suffers. Evil seeks this person and they wither. Which one do you want to choose? You can see how this was a good teaching tool. You set up these two contrasts. It's like, well, obviously, the simple choice is I want to be the wise person who is generous. It seems so obvious, so clear cut. Verse 25 says this, a generous person will be enriched. One who gives water will get water. So simplistic. Just do it. But be generous and give water and you will be enriched. Your thirst will be quenched. It's so simplistic. As long as you share with others, you will always have enough money and resources. So simplistic to look at it that way. And yet not so simple. Y'all know this. Our church has been in partnership with St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Lake Charles since January of this past year. And so on the last Saturday of the month, for the, the past months, under the servant leadership of Weldon Whiteside, a small group of our folks, they gather in this church parking lot and they take the six-hour drive down to Lake Charles and they stop on the way at Brothers Produce, which is a, a farmer's market that's just south outside of Houston, and they load up 1,300 pounds of fresh produce and vegetables. And then they drive this to the food pantry in North Lake Charles, where they, along with the community members, who this is their day off because it's on Saturday, but they show up and they unload all of this produce. 
What you might not know is that this community in Lake Charles, it's always been filled with extremely generous people. They always have been. They were caring, they shared with one another, and yet they still had several hurricanes hit them. They still had floods devastate them. They had freezes. Their homes are still destroyed. They still have not rebuilt grocery stores or even little convenience stores. Many of them are still having to boil their daily drinking and cooking water. And this is the difficult truth. They shared with others and it did not secure enrichment. Not so simple, is it? As this proverb draws us in, and anytime you read a scripture where you're like, this doesn't quite line up with something in my heart, it is an invitation to, to go deeper. You see, faith is not a mathematical formula. Wealth plus generosity does not equal financial security, but this is what we believe sometimes. The proverb draws each of us in to consider this. If it says, if the text says that a generous person will be enriched, how do we define enriched? What does enrichment look like as people of faith? Does enriched mean full of earthly riches? If that is the case then, then anybody who doesn't have earthly riches or access to financial resources, they're never going to achieve enrichment. We don't believe that God is like that. One of the foundations of our belief is that we believe God loves all people and desires for all people to live a flourishing and enriched life, right? So what if the Proverbs are teaching us something different as people of faith? To consider being enriched, not as, as much as what we have, but rather what we do with whatever we have. What if we considered financial achievement, like those big goals in the future? What if we saw them as not as the end goal, but as the means for what we were supposed to do to live every day? I sometimes find myself so wrapped up and drawn into defining an enriched life full of earthly riches as the end goal. I have that imagination of the retired life, of access to getting to an airport where I can go visit my future grandchildren. I have this image. And so my daily living, it can often be about achieving that goal where I'm planning on going in the future. And you know what that means? It means each day is less about living with what I already have access to and more about building up for something in the future. Friends, over and over in the gospels, we see Jesus model sharing with others, living in the present, taking advantage of the resources that you have right in front of you and then sharing them. It wasn't part of the plan when he was preaching on the hillside for thousands and thousands of people to show up. He probably didn't even think people were gonna come. And we know he didn't come prepared to feed them all. He came empty handed. But then he saw that there was some loaves and some fish. And what did he do? He then gave it to the people and they were asked to share it with one another. 
When they're traveling, he and the disciples, they make an unexpected stop in the village of Samaria so that the disciples can get a snack. They weren't supposed to stop there because Jews don't hang out with Samaritans. And so Jesus is sitting at this well and he sees this woman coming up in the middle of the heat of the day and he thinks something is not right about this. Women go to the well in community. They go with friends. It's a social thing. And they certainly don't do it in the middle of the heat of the day. It wasn't socially appropriate for Jesus to talk to her. It wasn't appropriate for him to share conversation with her. But he did. And then I think about that last night that he's sitting around that table. And he has a choice. Jesus had a choice. Do I share this table with Peter, who's going to deny me in a little bit? With Judas, who's going to betray me in a little bit? These are people that he knew were about to completely disappoint him. And yet Jesus shared the Lord's Supper, that last supper, with every single one of them. You see, Jesus modeled for us how we are supposed to do relationships. And we are called to share with others, even when it is not part of the plan. Even when it is not socially appropriate. Even when it is with people who have broken our trust and people who have disappointed us. You see, sharing is one of the best ways to live like Jesus lived. I asked one of our children's ministry staff why they think sharing is important for children. This is Judy Crochet. She's the director of our preschool ministry here. This is what she said. She said, sharing is important because it connects you to others as well as allows the person that you are sharing with to have a feeling of being liked. Sharing can serve as an icebreaker in a situation when a less outgoing child is introduced to a new environment because it will make them feel included. Oh my goodness. Y'all, this is what Jesus did literally lived his life seeking out the more shy child, the less outgoing person, trying to go out and touch and eat and hang around the person who was feeling excluded, the ones who were on the margins of society. This is what sharing with others does. It makes them feel included. It makes them feel liked. This is where true riches are found, friends. This is flourishing. This is what a blessed life is. Sharing with others, it just makes life better. An anthropologist that was studying the habits and customs of an African tribe, he found himself surrounded by children most days when he was visiting with the village and he came upon a candy source at one of the little village stores. He got this candy and he decided, you know what, I'm going to play a fun game with them. And he put the candy into a basket and he put it at the base of a tree. And he said, okay, okay, kids, we're going to play a game. And as soon as I say now, y'all are going to run there. And whoever gets there first gets the most candy. So all the kids line up. And when the anthropologist said now, the, the children grabbed hands with each other. And they began to walk towards the basket together. And then they sat around the basket and they all shared the candy. And he said to them, why did you not run and get it for yourself? And the children said, Ubuntu, 
How could any one of us be happy if any el- anyone else was sad? Archbishop Desmond Tutu said about this word Ubuntu, he said, one of the sayings in our country is Ubuntu, the essence of being human. Ubuntu speaks particularly about the fact that you can't exist as a human being in isolation. And when you have this quality, Ubuntu, you are known for your generosity. When you do well, it spreads out. It is for the whole of humanity. May it be so in my life and in yours.